0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Second podcast in a week, guys. Pat yourselves on the back.
1: Barely made it. Had to run through the door to get here.
0: Yeah, and we'll see how that pays off when we get to the top five. But before that, we're going to be discussing the film Parasite, directed by Bong Joon-ho, Korean film that is uh, making uh, critics a little wet and wild, uh, since it won the Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> Palme d'Or. <laughs> uh, after we discuss that film, we're going to move on to a top five, a very relevant top five, a meaningful top five, Chapin. Pretentious
2: top five, but yes, A very meaningful.
0: pretentious top five, looking forward to that. Top five foreign films of the century. We're actually going to go back to 1999 as that has been uh, the year that we've been discussing so much this year. So for the last 20 years, best foreign films, top five.
1: Oh, I didn't know we were going back to 99.
0: Yeah, neither did That's I. That's all right. Yeah, I don't think we discussed that. Making up rules, Carlo. So my question for you guys, and doing your best to avoid your own personal thoughts on the movie as we always try to do when we open things up, what do you think is making this movie so successful?
2: Well, um, the film is made most of that money in korea um i don't know maybe it's very successful with korean people i also th- i also think bong uh bong ho's uh name
1: people people recognize it now a lot of people i know really like snowpiercer it's not one of my favorite movies and we can get into th- i'm sure there's going to be a lot of comparisons between parasite and and snowpiercer uh just thematically but um P- it's a movie that was I was recommended via word of mouth. So I think that has something to do with it because um, every time he comes out with a new movie, I think people, people talk about it. And the fact that it uh, did win
0: the Palme d'Or um, <laughs> was, was helpful as well. Do um, you think who talks about it? The, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, mean Shoplifters, a
2: movie that won the Palme d'Or last year, made $72 million. World yeah, wide. so,
0: I mean, it's not unheard of that these movies can do well, but this is
1: unusual. But why did, we, is... why did we go see it then? Like, I've, I've been hearing, it. I mean, obviously I work in the film business, but I've been hearing it from coworkers. I've had to avoid spoilers on this movie from people talking
0: about it. Well, so that's that's my point. Like, so maybe word of mouth is it, but what, where is this coming from? Like, this is, we, we made a joke recently about the Palme d'Or winners, and Jeremy, you went through them, and you're like, God, I haven't even really seen any of these. A lot of these movies just disappear.
2: I mean, so, I, I, I could... Well, let me let me wager a, a guess here. I mean, it's it, it's a much more approachable film than... I, I don't know much about shoplifters, but um, from what I know about like a film like The Square, which won in 2017, um, I've never heard of 2016's I, Daniel Blake. I mean, I'm just reading you the Palme d'Or winners. Tree of mm-hmm. Life, <laughs> Amour, Michael Haneke. Um, I mean, these movies are not... Uh, I don't know. They, 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 when They're I, when not I think, digestible, exactly. And, and when I think of, and I think when a lot of people who maybe are not quite as, as, as adventurous as us or, um, as interested in film as we are think about films like this, they, they think pretentious and, um, hard to understand. And this movie is not like that at all. It's quite, it's quite approachable.
0: Yeah. I did come home from this movie and tell Lydia that I think she would really like it and kind of look forward to seeing it with her which is not what I expected to uh, say to her when I was going into this movie and for no other reason than you know I felt like this was us seeking out a Palme d'Or winning movie that's getting a lot of critical acclaim and I think the idea the fact that it's is a more approachable movie is a valid point Chapin um and yeah, of course we can just come back to to word of mouth and the fact that a lot of this a lot of the money is being made in Korea but you know, the reason I listed all those other movies are that is that you know, those are all really acclaimed movies and suddenly, you know, Parasite comes out and it's sort of sweeping our nation in terms of, you know, subtitled films. You know, I mean it's never going to Touch the box office numbers that we're used to, but for a foreign it might, film, it might. I mean, impressive. it's
2: impressive. It's really, it's only in six hundred theaters right now. Well, so yeah, if it gets it wide did release, two point and- five million last week weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and and it, I think one of the one of the big, um, when I've I listened to some other podcasts that have sort of ramped up their Oscar coverage, and this movie has been on the lips of everybody, as you said, Lee. And I think if this film I mean, it will. It seems like it's bound to win best best foreign film, or um, I think there's a different name for it this year. Actually, um, best international film or something to that degree. But it it appears that this film will, um, if this film you know gets tr- enough traction, could be nominated for best picture, which would be really exciting. Well, let's talk about the film
1: then. Um, so one of the things that sort of Going into this movie, obviously, I I hadn't gotten into a movie this sort of blind. And Lee, you mentioned this too, uh, in in a long time. I mean, I'm I was aware of Bong ho's Ho's uh, Snowpiercer. I was aware he had a movie on Netflix that I hadn't caught yet, okay. and I was aware, yeah, and I was aware that people really respected him. And I wasn't a big fan of Snowpiercer, um, so I had no idea what this movie was about. Uh, going into it but the one thing is watching it although it kind of started out l- a little bit lighthearted, funny you always knew the other shoe was going to drop uh, when, when watching this film right from the beginning and I don't know did you guys feel that as well like you're just waiting for something bad to happen
2: I mean I knew something else was going to happen right I, I did not really anticipate the um well, i don't think
1: anyone could have anticipated it exactly as no
2: i uh, no, of course not but um I, I i did not anticipate the tonal shift as much um, right i mean i don't we're, we'll, we'll we'll get into i mean we're gonna spoil the film but the sort yeah. of once upon a time in hollywood-esque ending um i i mean i think That wasn't, I mean, that wasn't obviously a huge surprise, but uh, I think more importantly, the sort of the tonal change was what was so shocking to me more than sort of the events that unfold in the narrative.
1: Yes. so basically why I bring that up is like the craft of this movie is very, very impressive. And it somewhat lays on a little bit Thick, this whole idea of class distinction sure like it's not hiding its main thematic element like right from the get-go but once you sort of let that go and you start getting into the nitty-gritty of the film and how all those things are presented through these characters through the camera movement mm-hmm. through this house in particular as a as a character um it's actually really really impressive and i was very uh
0: impressed with this film i mean this entire movie you bring up you bring up the kind of the overt class divisions that are on display here but this whole movie lacks subtlety and that's... i i disagree i think i think it I think they're subtly there. It's just
1: everything else is so sort of in your face; you forget to look for it, or you don't well, realize you're being affected
0: like, by it. I mean, the this, the class divisions which you which you mentioned, um, and there's you know they talk about the fact that they they mention metaphors all throughout the movie um yeah they say how
2: metaphoric right
0: right there's the there's the native american motif throughout there's the morse code plant and payoff like everything is very broad and obvious in this movie he he does paint with a bit of a broad brush and look like i fucking loved this movie (laughs) so none of that really mattered um no i like but i do think that that was interesting like you see, we're, we see so many movies that try to tiptoe around things, and you know everything is a allegory for something else. And and yet here, and I and I think he's, from what I understand, he's guilty of that in some of his other movies. I, I, he explores class a lot. Um, yeah, Snow you know, Snowpiercer Snow is, about is that. really obvious, even more so than this. But I think some of his other movies do too. I believe Okja does that, um, and it's in. Um, in the host as well, I think, but, but anyway, like everybody's every filmmaker, I feel like is so intent on, on tiptoeing around these things. And he just, you know, says hell with that. Like, whatever this movie is about class division. So I don't care if my audience knows that it's about class divisions. Um, And you know, this, I I need, I need Morse code to, to play into my movie. So (laughs) I'm going to tell you that one of my characters knows Morse code. So it was some interesting storytelling, some broad, you know, unsubtle storytelling, but it's a really compelling story and I think I think it's because of the character
1: development. I I think it's so good even though all those broad strokes are there, you then realize everybody's sort of motive. Like it, on both sides of this class divide, you you understand where almost everyone's coming from and I've never really felt a movie where I didn't wasn't quite sure who I'm n- not rooting for, but I kind of yeah.
0: Who are the yeah, good guys and who are the bad guys? Are there good? Not that there bad needs guys? to are be there bad guys. It's like they're did but you I good also did everybody. Did you guys I feel that? Dis, oh,
2: did you guys feel that way about the this the the rich mom and dad? The, the I did the patriot. You knew there. I mean, enlighten me.
1: I mean, I, there's, what did, what, there's What is your question? That what, if we felt both ways about the the, the rich
2: people. What were the motivations yeah, for them?
1: Yeah, because because first of all, I I think they're just trying to do the best for their family. Yeah, they're yeah. not I genuinely think they're, bad people. They're not genuinely bad people. They're they're just blind to a lot of stuff that they're doing, but um, you you understood kind of where where they were coming from. And like I literally didn't know who to like at time. I, well, I I equally liked and disliked the same characters at different points in the movie. I don't
0: sometimes... think it's dislike. I think it's you like it. You like everybody in the movie. Everybody is likable, um, with the exception of maybe, maybe the the original maid and her husband. But at first they are, and you understand their plight completely. But I think it's almost more like you know you like these people and so and you you kind of he creates characters that you care about so you're almost disappointed when they do things that you know right. aren't so great it's not that you dislike them you know you're just you feel like ah oh, that was a bad move why you know yeah yeah and so i think that's good good character development good
1: storytelling and to clarify it a little bit so these this family basically kind of cons this rich family into getting jobs and they have to pretend they don't know each other and pretend they're not a family to keep these jobs. It's an innocent enough concept, but they make it really... (laughs) Well, it's an innocent enough concept, but they make it really clear that then they're also doing damage to the people that are equally as unfortunate as them, that they happen to just sort of, you know metaphorically and literally kick out you know well okay so um, so that's interesting yeah.
2: they uh, these people the this family of four father daughter mother son mm-hmm. uh, slowly get new jobs at this uh, with, with this family this rich family and um the, the kim family the kim family What's what's interesting to me about this is that they 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 completely forge their backgrounds and their and and their qualifications, but they come and they seem to be doing really a, good a, a decent job <laughs> yeah. at, at these in their in their particular um, uh, professions, um, you know. And and I I wonder if that in and of itself is a is a statement, you know. Like, I mean, the the husband. Off the, it talks about the you know a driver the driver crossing crossing a line like an, this invisible individual this invisible line between I, I don't know like overstepping like becoming too friendly right um, but besides that it's like you know the guy's a decent driver fine the 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 daughter seems to be a good two a good uh, in, like seems to have some uh yeah, toys with the with that kid um and I I don't know is the is the guy a good tutor or not I don't know but these like are these is nah, it it's just, just the, the these, chick magnet right or are these jobs just <laughs> like chicks. just like you know are they Easy. sort of simple enough yeah exactly like like
1: well no it's a little bit of both like uh,
0: obviously it's, yeah
2: because she the makes a joke about gobble. not knowing how to
0: cook the but the the wife doesn't know how to cook that meal when they call and say they're coming home right she's like what the hell is that. What the... <laughs> so, no, but also they like and there's a scene where they go back to their
1: like shitty basement apartment that they rent and they're literally rehearsing and acting it's like the scene in Reservoir Dogs right. when you when Tim Roth says
0: you have to be a really fucking great actor, they're literally acting um, inter- apparently, apparently Tarantino's a huge fan of Bong Joon-ho and you can certainly see the similarities in their work
2: Oh, well, yeah, Seeming yes, yes. Um, Yeah, so, but I guess going back to what you guys were saying about, I mean, so Jeremy, can I ask you briefly, what what did you dislike Mm -hmm. about Snowpiercer?
1: I mean, it's been a while since I saw it, but it, there was just, it, it didn't, it had the insanity without, I feel like, the connective tissue that, that connected me as an audience member to it. It was just, it was just so out there and I just couldn't, I couldn't find myself relating to any part of that story. Mm. Like it got ludicrous. Yeah. So I think that
2: that's interesting. And I mean, Oksha is, I think there's these, as, as Lee said, there's these, these ideas of class running through all his films, but um, particularly with those two, which I think are probably the most seen by um, Americans that uh they are the, the the conventions he uses to draw those lines to illustrate this these class differences are these kind of big sort of operatic almost you know unrealistic unrelatable as you said you know conventions but this movie i feel like you know although you it is obvious i agree with you lee like it, it it's not it's not hard to put yourself in in as you said in both of those people's both of those sides of the um invisible class lines you know you to put yourself in their shoes because it's it's kind of a realistic scenario right like it's you're not in a in a in a train where the (laughs) where the the people are eating each other in the back and the rich people are living large in the front and like that's you know it, there there it, is, there's sort of a lack of metaphor, I, I guess I would say. Like, it's just kind of, yeah. it is what it I is, mean, you know?
1: And he's really clever about developing the characters so that you can relate to them in that moment. So you have, like, this weird sort of behind-the-scenes or or behind-the-curtain feel to it, because, like, you'd know everybody, you, you as an audience member kind of know everybody's motivation in every scene, even though it's not necessarily apparent as they're presenting
0: it. So you know what movie or where you can, it's similar to a movie like the sting where if you just strip everything down, these types of movies are just kind of a blast to watch. Like you see these characters inhabit these new identities sort of seamlessly. And you kind of forget about the fact that when we first opened up this movie, they didn't really seem like the heisting type, you know, they, They seem just like a poor family, like that would, you know, were folding pizza boxes for money, and then suddenly, like you mentioned, like they're inhabiting these roles, you know, without anybody even batting an eye, and that's fun. Like that's just fun to watch, don't you guys Mm -hmm. think? Like Mm, it's just, and that's why I say if you just kind of strip this movie down of all the metaphor and class divisions and everything else, that I think works pretty well in this movie. But I just. It wasn't my biggest takeaway. I think the biggest takeaway for this movie is that it's funny that it's got some Yorgos Lanthimos in there. It's got some Hitchcock in there. It's got some Tarantino in there. Like, it's a lot of things that we really like.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and I thought it was just so beautifully shot, too. Like, the way... Like, the way that, especially when they were at their own house, like, in the rain, when they were, like, descending down those stairs. Yeah. So, so That was, was my like favorite flooding, scene of the movie. Flooding, like, in the, when she's on the shitter, holding down the shitter
0: while it's, like, I mean, that, spraying. Like, it was just this beautiful shot of shit. Well, so that was, one, that was another note I made about, like, sort of the lack of subtlety in this movie is that, like, the houses, to me, were even such obvious sets. And not that that matters... But, I don't know if that main house was. It oh, definitely
2: was. I don't think the main house was. I think, I mean, the maybe the what what was below it was, and I, certainly the their house, the the uh, the, the poor people's right. house was because they had but to like flood the, it and the, snow it. The and,
0: toilet thing going nuts, like that. That to me looked like <laughs> like a stunt on like the backdraft ride. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I get what you're saying because felt there. It did feel like that. That. Um, apartment did feel so set dressed yeah. in a way but I loved it. it it was it was so interesting and I mean like you're, you're situated below the street but it still has a window that you can barely see uh the guy pissing on your your uh, right, but apartment
0: the, the thing is that like this again and I keep coming back to it as if it's a bad thing and I guess I was sort of put off by it a little bit but like the obviousness of them I, and I loved the scene, but the obviousness of them running through the rain downhill from their really rich place where they were pretending yeah. to live to their slums is just like the most obvious in-your-face metaphor. I don't know. It not pretty... quite as obvious as the guys dressed up as Native Americans at the end. But, right. I mean, like, that's... Again, I, I think just... that it was an intentional choice to, like, not try to hide what he was trying to say. And I'm of fine course. with that. It... And but, it was,
1: he was clever enough about all of it that for some reason none of that obviousness bothered me.
0: So it did not bother me, but it has been the thing that I've been the most critical of for this movie. It's the thing I've been thinking the most about. It's the thing that's holding me back from saying this movie but was just 100% perfect. Like,
2: isn't it helpful for you? There's already a language barrier. You're in, yes. And there's always, a already a uh, – there's a – you know, is everything being and, translated? And Lee can't read. R- no, Lee, ha- Lee has trouble reading. Um, it Lee... is
0: helpful, but I don't want the movie dumbed down for me.
2: Well, I don't think it is, but but I mean, I don't either. I guess the, you, Lee, I... you open this podcast with like espousing how you know internationally renowned and and successful this film has, but I mean, what is a what is a movie that is that is in a language that? You know, very few people speak at least around the world. It's not, you know, it's not in English and it's not in Chinese, so not a lot of people speak this language. So it's the language of film, and and a, a metaphor, a visual metaphor, is a nice way to do that. Also, it's also like, it's also kind of true when you're these people are there. They are basement dwellers, and so no, no, no. Again. When, at the end of the, when when it when it rains and the and the sewers flood, like that's where the shit goes, literally.
0: I think I think the the reason it's not a problem for this movie it, it but I feel like you guys can pr- understand why I get hung up on it but the I agree that it's not I, a problem with this movie I think movie. it was the biggest thing that stood out to me too if it, Be- if yeah It's obvious how obvious it is and
2: I don't know I I, like I, the f- I mean maybe I'm stupid but the the, the in, what was the Indian metaphor at the end I don't really
0: I mean it's like to me it was I mean they were basically replaying um you know, massacring a like the uh, Indians massacring, you know, another culture or something. But and that's basically what happens in this movie mm-hmm. is you have these like clashing cultures um, uh, sort of going head to head with each other. Um, but I forgot what I was going to say now. Well, I, I like that exam- I can just watch a movie, and I I think the 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 lack of subtlety in this movie allowed this story to just play out, and for you to as an audience member to just enjoy the story, which is what I liked so much about it. Like I said, it, it's stripped down. It's just a blast to watch this story unfold. It's a blast to watch these characters, and throwing in metaphors and allegories can get in the way of that. And we've talked about that before. And that doesn't make that's not for better or worse. It's just I think. This movie benefited from its lack of subtlety. It's just obvious that it's
2: there. Yeah, it just makes. It, I think it makes it more universal.
0: Yeah, totally. it, I think.
1: I I think two things. Um, I think what what it does is make the 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 fucking ending work. It, it make because it was so obvious. It could just go there. It could just like take that turn without. If this was subtle and everything was sort of. Going in a way that you weren't, you know, you you weren't trying to see these big sort of metaphors and pick up on these things, and then all of a sudden that ending happened, and we'll get into spoiler territory. I think tonally, even though there's obviously a huge shift here, it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked. And can I can I say the one time that this sort of obviousness did bother me in this movie? Yeah, please. Uh it was. It, it was, well here, I guess this will start getting into spoiler territory a little bit too. Go ahead. But uh, it was during our climax scene when throughout the movie, uh, the father, the rich father had been talking about how Mr. Kim has this smell, sure. this sort of poor person smell, uh, which I think was actually very effective through the rest of the movie. But then there's a point where he has to move a body that had just attacked his party. And he, like, literally, like, holds his nose and, like, wafts at it um, to... to uh yeah. get the next part of the the story moving where Mr. Kim decides to take action that that was the one time I was like all
0: right there were a couple things like that and it was sort of like like screenwriting 101 plant and payoffs like they like litter in all these little bits about the smell so that at the end they can have this thing that kind of makes Mr. Kim snap and they did the same thing with the morse code bit you know, yeah, like the Morse code bit didn't work for me either. Like so, I, again, it's uh, this would be nitpicky in a lesser movie, or I guess it wouldn't be nitpicky in a lesser movie, and in here it is here it is nitpicky because none of these things hurt the movie enough. Mm-hmm. But it just did feel like screenwriting one hundred and one. Like it felt like a very pedestrian script in those moments where it was like they told us they had a whole conversation about the smell. It's not just a subtle, you know, him noticing the smell and you kind of put, put the pieces together and then you realize, you know, how that affects the end. It's, you know, he talks to his wife about it. Then his wife notices it. And then and the child notices the, it. Like, yeah, it just is, it's a little bit
2: scripted. Well, the child is the first scripted. one to, to notice it. Yeah.
0: Okay, you know, it's but a little I, too I, scripted.
2: I didn't mind, okay, I didn't mind, I didn't mind the smell part of it I I think that <laughs> I
0: loved the smell
2: I loved the smell it was a, it was a lovely musk um <laughs> no but I mean I uh I I, I thought that 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 worked it, it's an it's a nice um it's a nice way of sort of you know this this movie that like you're saying Lee is, is very obvious and 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 is is a very visual film it was nice to to like give the characters on the film like a little bit of a something that we don't we didn't have we don't have the sense we don't have a sense of smell while watching a right. film and so it was nice to give them something that we didn't have um yeah. but i guess what i guess my I, I, just to just to clarify the the smell that mr kim was smelling at the end of the film was the was the man who was li- literally living in a basement for 10 yeah. years who would so he probably did soundly smell. smell yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but you're right. I mean I I didn't mind the, the plants as you as you would say, Lee, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the film. I, I I didn't buy it at the end as as the turning point for um
0: I didn't buy it for Mr. Kim. I I the climax of the movie, the end, uh where our basement dweller, our our second basement dweller that was living in the basement of the rich people's house, when he attacks the party, I bought that.
2: No, sure. Um, I I guess I just mean for I, I guess his name is uh, Kai Tech or the the father of the family to attack Mr. Kim.
0: Yeah, I had a hard time with that. Do it. No, he attacks Mr. Park.
2: I'm sorry, Mr. Park. Who's Mr. Kai Kim?
0: Tech. Mr. Kim is Kai Tech.
2: Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's um, confusing.
0: I I knew that the the names were gonna be were gonna be tricky, um, but. Speaking of, of Kai Tech, who is played by uh, Kang Ho Song. Perfect. So good. So good. In yeah, this
2: yeah. they were all great. They were all th- really good, th- I yes. think
0: everyone was really good, yeah. Yeah, all really good. Um,
2: yeah, I well, had a can- hard
0: time with his, his turn, too. I wasn't totally buying that. So,
1: yeah, there's a couple things. Like, even though, like this movie and i we keep saying it but we just you know reiterate it does paint with a broad br- brush but it it works um there are times like I, be, even though it was sort of painting with a broad br- brush i was really really feeling for some of these characters oh, and there's 100%. A, com- a couple in particular um and they both were with mr kim it was after the, the the craziness of when we first re- were revealed to have the, the basement dwellers and they somehow escape the house and then they go and there's a flood and their, their, their house gets flooded with shit, the next day they go back to work acting like nothing ever happened and we know all that they just went through and yeah the wife's throwing a party and he's just walking behind her
0: carrying the groceries getting the wine and not just and, not just running through the rain and all that like that even before that them hiding under the table hearing the oh, two yeah, talk no, shit the, about no, him
1: knowing yeah knowing <clears throat> all that and then that moment i was just like uh and the other moment that again <laughs> it's on the nose but like really uh, spoke to me was when they were hiding behind the bushes pretending to be Indian so that they go out and uh, protect the daughter from this, <laughs> you know, fake yeah. attack is when um the the rich guys like could tell Mr. Kim was not really into it and he's in and he's like, Well, we're paying you for this Yeah. And, it's so, and de- it's so like, demeaning, yeah. It's so demeaning and like it's one of those things that I complain about When it comes to movies, too. Right, you literally just said that two days ago. We're 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 paying you. We're gonna pay for this food. Jesus, can't we just (laughs) should do do whatever we want? Can't we take a shit on the floor? (laughs) Yeah,
0: we'll we'll pay for it.
2: I mean, we're gonna clean it up. Jesus.
0: Yeah, Uh, no, there's a. I mean, those are two great examples and there's a lot of it. And that's that's why I went back to saying when we before we were kind of trying to uncover, like, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys in this movie? And I think they do a great job of creating characters that you genuinely care about throughout this movie. And like you when um you know, there's something, you know, mysterious and not quite right when the old maid comes to the door and you know insists on coming inside and like you can tell that you know this is going to be a turning point in the movie in some way shape or form but then you see her kind of standing outside like drenched in rain and like sobbing and begging to come inside and like you feel bad for her and and even when she gets fired and you see her leaving the house they do this kind of wide shot of her walking out yeah and you feel bad for her there because like they like totally fucked her over with trying to get her fired I mean they did that to a couple people but like, hers felt particularly cruel. So, yeah, I think that, you know, this is a a great example of, you know, creating a movie full of characters that you care about. And you can get away with a lot when you do that, When you, when you have your audience caring about your characters. Mm.
1: Was there ever a moment when we discovered there was a person living in the basement or... A moment that you guys were ever like, oh, okay, I don't believe like this is taking a turn too far for me. Um, or I feel or like it you should like, have, right? It should I feel have, like it should have, but, but it be- didn't. I think yeah. <laughs> I think because of this movie being so sort of so on the nose with everything that and, and taking everything at face value, we also took that at face value. Yeah, it it let it let us accept that, and I
0: think that was part of the brilliance of, of the film as well, because it was the way that scene was shot too. how we just kind of fall. She just runs into the house and we sort of just follow her. Yeah. We don't know every, we don't know every room in that house quite yet. I mean, it's a pretty open floor plan. We've seen the upstairs. And we've seen the downstairs and the big, you know, glass wall that looks out into the backyard, but we sort of follow her down the stairs and we don't really know where she's going. And then we see her kind of comically pushing that bookcase out of the way. <laughs> she falls on her face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, so I just think the way that that was shot, too, kind of introduced and, that aspect in a believable I mean, there's, way.
1: There's a lot of that Lanthimos
0: sort oh, of so funny when she kicks comedy. her down the stairs. Oh, my like, God. Like, that's a perfect example. I laughed
1: so like,
2: hard. <laughs> but she
1: died. It, it was still funny the way <laughs> it, it was presented. It was so funny. It was like, it was, it, and again, this is the beauty of it. It was both a relief, hilarious, and, and terrible terrible all at once all in the same moment because you knew that was a terrible ending for this woman who also didn't deserve it but you also didn't want her to get out and 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 tell the thing for everybody else (laughs) and just the way the moment uh culminates where oh shit here she comes and then boom down the stairs you go i mean i think it was that might be (laughs) that could win for uh the fixie for best uh best moment of the year Mm. yeah
2: like, and I'll, it's sort of the I'm moment. I'm like, I was loose. I was
0: laughing so hard, and Japheth goes, "But she died."
2: The moment everything changes, really. Yeah. Um, I, I to go back to what you guys were saying about the. I, I think that the I didn't really flinch at the guy living underneath the house just because, um, you know, we we were introduced to this idea of these other people you know, these other people living in the sub basement that it's, that it's in a place maybe as dense as wherever this takes place, people are forced right. to live, you know, below ground. And I mean, there are, <laughs> I've seen those kind of like clickbaity stories of like, you know, the New York times article about the people who are living underneath Las Vegas. And, um, what? Yeah. Oh, there's, goodness. they're like living in the tunnels and, you know, like with the, with the problem of people, uh, homelessness, you know, rampant and, there people are are living in in crazy places, and I I don't I don't think that's something that's particularly um, unbelievable. What what I did question, and I think I let it go because I am, um, you know, because I'm I, I I'm unfamiliar with Korean culture. Is this idea of this these two grown adults still living with their and with their mother and father, which I think is you know outside of the US a lot more common than we're used to um but that sort of family dynamic was was at least hard to get used to um at the beginning
0: are you talking about the main characters
2: yeah i mean they were like
0: college age i mean the son was in college
2: yeah like or i guess not
0: he wasn't in college i guess but he was college age sure um <laughs> going to lose all our audience members that still live with their parents oh you losers
2: Oh, just sitting in your basement listening to liter- podcasts?
0: Those are literally our only audience
1: members that we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a resounding thumbs up all the way around for Definitely. I mean, this, Parasite. Uh,
2: this guy, his his like control over the camera and where your eye goes and just the sort of yeah. visual gags. I think, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, Lee, I was a little disappointed by your opening question, but I think it's actually quite insightful once you think about it. Like, it it really makes it really makes a weird that was a weird compliment. No, seriously. Like, like it, it really, I'm going to take it. it. It it really speaks to why this movie is so appealing <clears throat> worldwide and, and why I hope it will continue to be is that like, you know, he's a, he's a filmmaker who can sell a visual and, 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 and the way those things work so well together. And I think, you know, to your question about the palm door. <laughs> You know, you look at that list of, of movies and they're also kind of hard to approach. I, I was just glancing at uh, AO Scott's uh, review and he made something about like it you know this this movie is evidence that you know that kind of blurs the lines between a commercial and an art house film. and like that's a that's a great thing. Yeah. and um, um, so yeah, I think everybody should try to go see this.
0: Absolutely. All right. Let's move on now to our top five foreign films of the century. If you go back through your text chain, guys, you will see that I mentioned you can go back to 1999.
2: I love that we call it this. If you so chose. Because we could just say of the last 20 years, but we're just saying of the century. I mean, either one works.
0: We were going to do of the decade. Um, I I, I will admit I was having a hard time with – Coming up with a list for the last 10 years. I hadn't seen a lot of the foreign films. Um, so we, we widened the um, category to the last 20 years. And uh, Jeremy, uh, I'll let you go last so you can finish up your list.
2: Embarrassing. I always got to call oh, he's out good. people.
0: All right. So why don't you go first then? Kick us off.
1: All right. So we've been talking about this filmmaker in relation. Uh, to parasite and it's uh yorgos lanthimos' dogtooth. knew that is was my really number honest. 5. Yeah, um, I didn't see it. It it's like it's the first movie I've, I saw of his um and it really did kick off this this new form of sort of fucked up comedy for me that I, like now I kind of crave in movies. um and like it's great to see that sort of thing in *Parasite* because I don't think anybody does it better than Yorgos Lanthimos. And I, I, my favorite movie of his still to this day is *Dog Tooth*. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. Like, I, it's a weird recommendation to make to somebody. Can you can but, you tell uh, me
2: why that is? Because I don't know anything about it. Why is it? Because
1: it. It's about this family who keeps their like kids locked in the house, and they the the whole family just like stays in this house. Mm. And then there's a lot of incest, and they make them, they make the family do weird things and bark like dogs and like total land the most stuff that if somebody had described it to me like that, I'd be like, that's just weird. That's just fucked up for no reason. But it's he just makes it work. He makes that stuff work, and it's hilarious.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I need to see it. And you I need see to it see it too. Chapin. <clears throat>
2: uh yeah, so um I I omitted some like kind of obvi- like I didn't put Roma on here. Um, I sure. sort of went with the foreign yeah. language film instead of from a foreign country. Um, so yeah, and That's so, fine. so yeah. uh my number five is also a Korean film I believe, and that is Old Boy.
0: Thought about Old Boy. I really liked that movie, but I haven't seen it since. You know, whatever year that was, two thousand three, maybe or yeah, two
2: thousand three,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it's it's on a lot of lists, but I, it didn't speak to me like it spoke to a lot of people, um, so it didn't make my list.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, I I uh, it's been a while since I've seen it as well, but I I, I really like the. It's such a sort of twisted story. Um, I'll I'll refrain from talking about it here to avoid any spoilers, but. Um, I actually, and I actually have to admit, I kind of enjoyed the, um, uh, Spike Lee remake with Josh Brolin as well. Um, I
0: didn't, I didn't see that a new one. Yeah. It's,
2: it was bad, bad poorly received to say the least.
0: Maybe that's why I didn't see it. Um, <clears throat> all right. My number five is from the year 2000, Emores Peros, uh, <laughs> Depression. Alejandro Iñárritu I always call it the first of his uh first of his make his audience commit suicide trilogy. Yeah. Um, that um 21 Grams, Babel, Beautiful. Um all really depressing films for sure. Amaro's Paris is really good though. I love the kind of um, you know, triple point of view way that the narrative unfolds. Um, you know, the kind of Rashomon style to th- way he tells the story. Um, and you see how this car accident impacts all these different people and how they're connected. And, you know, that, that's that been done a gazillion times to varying, you know, degrees in terms of quality. But I think Crash, this movie does it really well. Movie. Crash, the best of all. Um, but I think this movie does it really well. And it was sort of the, one of the first movies that I kind of saw it done really well. Um, back when I saw it probably not too long after it came out and I caught it on DVD.
2: I haven't seen it. No, really? it is re- it is yeah. really
0: good. It's definitely I, I think, own it on regular DVD of his movies, except for The Revenant. Oh, right. Shot <laughs> by the guy who
2: will who shot uh, who will be shooting um, next week's Irishman,
0: Rodrigo Prieto. Prieto. That's what I was saying. a Good tie-in.
2: All right, Jeremy. all
1: right. Uh, my number four is a movie we. I think we reviewed it relatively recently. We certainly talked about it um in uh relation to Shape of Water and its Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah, wow. El Toro, another
0: Mexican film. I
2: went back and watched it after we had done Shape of Water and I wasn't um wasn't, Oh, I really, wasn't really? That's way. when yeah, I like I, it better I, than Shape of Water. I, I, yeah, I did, I did too. too. I did too, but I was did not rem- remember it as fondly as I remember watching well, it the first time.
1: Oh see, it was the opposite for me i I loved it a lot more um amazing villain in that movie. It. it is an amazing villain, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's as magical as um any movie in the last twenty years. I mean, he's known for that sort of dark whimsical fairy tale uh feel and i i mean he he nails it here. Mm.
2: Okay, uh, my number four is a film from. <laughs> what year is this? 2000. Uh, no, 2002. City of God, directed by Fernando oh, f- Morels. Oh, um, what? Mireles? I didn't think
0: it. No, and, it's on
2: my list. And it's in uh, Portuguese, but it's, I guess, from Brazil, although it's yeah. French. Oh, he, no, he's Brazilian um and I you know I, I got I I can't say that I've seen this movie since I saw it in theaters I do remember That's so good distinctly getting a enormous burrito um bringing <laughs> an enormous burrito into this movie um oh, sitting on thought you row. were gonna say
1: you got it. Like I thought I was an innuendo. I remember watching and getting an enormous burrito no, in no, my pants. No, 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 hey babe, no. I got enormous burrito. No,
2: I snuck an enormous burrito in and you know that as you guys know, that's a very handheld, rapid kind of camera <laughs> movie. So it's not a good not a good movie to watch it, eat with a big burrito. But uh yeah. So uh,
1: Chapin Hemingway of Gay Film Fix says City of God is not a burrito <laughs> movie.
2: Um that director would go on to do another film I really enjoy but haven't se- really seen since I think it came out is The Constant Gardener. Um, and then you actually did the two popes this year So,
0: Constant yeah daughter. it's really good I, I I caught up with it relatively recently and I mean aside from being you know extremely visceral and yeah. you know obviously that, that handheld style like some seriously impactful scenes in that movie that are hard to watch or you just feel for the characters like, I thought it was so good Definitely I thought about it up. but
1: <clears throat> I haven't seen it since I originally saw it, and I feel like I, I, I didn't have that
0: uh, visceral of a reaction to it. So. Yeah.
2: Well, I was grasping at straws for this one, so.
0: All right. My number four uh, is actually also from the year 2000 um, from a director I've talked about before, but not this movie so much. It's called Together from Lucas Moody's son, a Swedish film.
2: Right. That's oh, a yeah, uh, you, that. you guys what, know this that's one? That's like the fuck the whatever place, right?
0: Yeah, it's like about a cult or commune or whatever you want to call it. Um, and honestly, it's just like a – it's so basically, um, um, Mikhail Nykvist, I think is how you say his name, mm-hmm. is the main character in it. From and his Girl with sis- the Dragon his, Tattoo? His, yes. His sister comes to live with the commune after her husband dies or something like that, if I remember correctly. And – it's sort of about like her adapting to that lifestyle and you know the their you know obviously if she kind of lives a mo- lived a more traditional life and you go into that where there's all this free love and you know the you know fake brothers and sisters is you know banging each other and uh, to put that's it bluntly theme of
1: a, that's a theme of the third third time that's come up in this top 5 <laughs> old what? boy dog tooth, and that one incest
2: foreign yes. films love incest
0: yes um but i love it i love that movie it they, like it wraps up i always remember the end of it i saw i, I first saw this movie when i was in film school in a class and at the end of it um they're all like playing football in the backyard after like thanksgiving or their version of it to and, and uh, abba music starts playing and it's like so lighthearted and happy and exciting it just was such a like good ending to the movie and i always remember that but it's it's a good movie i really like his his films Show Me Did Love is the one that. I always bring up of oh, his. That's oh,
2: that's fucking Amal, right?
0: Yeah, fucking yeah. Amal.
2: What a bad translation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's not a translation, it's just a different title. Yeah, of course. Because yeah, yeah. Amal is the name of the town that they right. live
2: in. Right, 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 right.
0: Uh, Alright, so my number three, I feel like I had to put it
1: on my list, but uh, don't ask me too many questions about it. Uh, it's Michael Haneke's The White Ribbon. <laughs> A, a movie I went crazy for when I first saw it. Uh, definitely, mm, the White me- Ribbon is a
0: masterpiece from <laughs> Con.
1: Palm Dior, pa- Palm Dior winner. <laughs> it's actually
0: like his fourth uh, best movie, but that's okay.
1: So uh, yeah, no, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, I certainly need to watch it again. Yeah, want- uh,
0: or at least read my
1: review on it. I wanna it's have- not even uh, his
0: best movie in, in in our within our our year guidelines. Why? What? What else Ca- came out? Cache yeah. came out in two thousand five. That movie could, that could have made your list. That's better. Nope.
2: Jeremy, nope. can I ask Wrong. you? It it's got yep. some like a metaphor. It's 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 a metaphor, or it's like a it's a it's about like violence or like the fascism or something, right? Isn't it at the end of the yes. day? Yes.
1: It's yeah. I think it's a metaphor for violence. If I can if I remember correctly. Or, like,
2: explaining how the two world wars broke out or, or something. Right? I mean, isn't that kind of what it's about?
1: A lot of stuff. taping a lot of stuff's going on and it. It's hard <laughs> the long movie. Hardest, it's hard to yeah, quite explain thing. to okay. you sure know. You have the to time. just watch it. Sure, of course. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Okay. Uh, my number three is uh, Let the Right One In, the Swedish version, um, directed by Tomas Alfredson. That's a great bit. Another good one. Uh, yeah. Cinematography by the brilliant Hoitav Heute and Hoitama. Um, who is now Nolan's guy. You just guy. wanted to
0: say his name. I
2: did. Um and yeah, like uh I, I, I Katie and I watched this I think back in um back in the uh during one uh Halloween you got and this. it was really You'll get there. You sounds of <laughs> – You fuckers. <laughs> during one Halloween and I think we maybe watched the the remake with uh um, Chloe Moretz. Yeah, Chloe Moretz. I can't remember for sure. I know you guys reviewed one of those movies on the podcast um, back in the day. But, uh, yeah, you know, just like kind of like what you think of as um, sort of Swedish minimalism in in film and, and just a really cool kind of vampire movie and um, very inspirational to me.
0: No, it's a good pick. I remember enjoying that movie. Yeah, it was good. All right, my number three is A Separation. From 2011, directed by Asghar Farhadi, an Iranian movie. You guys ever hear this? Yes. One Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars in 2012. Um, it was an interesting watch. I, it's very, very dialogue heavy. Um, you know, you could, I, I don't know the s- source material, if there is any, but it seems like it's something that could have easily have been based on a play or something, just kind of the how um, very few locations and the way it played out. Um, and it didn't really win me over till close to the end. And it left me kind of thinking about it for a long time. And it kind of stood up after that, because I would say for the first half of the movie, I was like, I was, this is good, but what's all the fuss about. But you really through all that dialogue, become really invested in the story that's being told and the characters. And similar to something like parasite, you, you have a hard time siding with the characters in this movie. Um, you know nobody's really in the right, nobody's really in the wrong, and you can understand everybody's plight and i i clearly i think that that's a uh good way to go
2: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it reminded me of another movie um that may have made my list if I had thought of it but um had, actually I have no idea if it has anything to do with it, but it reminded me of it uh do you guys ever see no man's land
0: no. uh yeah I think Pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that remind you of it? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Did
2: really, really prepared that? for this one today.
0: Put yeah. it on the list. <laughs> You're up, Jeremy.
1: Uh, my number two is Alfonso Cuaron's Itu Mama Tambien. Uh, yes. So, not Roma. Uh, not Roma. Roma's an honorable mention, but this is sort oh, of this is one of those original f- foreign films that really kind of came at the right time of my cinematic experience. Yeah. You've um,
0: cinematic experience. No, but
1: it, it's true. It's, experience. Like, it's like when we first started trying to get into all the movies and, and mm-hmm. watching the foreign films and, uh, Mama Tambien, it was, it, it's great. And it really spoke to me. And, um, yeah, what else can you say? Alfonso Caroni's done all right since then.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Okay, my number two is uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, directed by Ang Lee.
0: That's a great Yeah, pick. that's one I'd love to see how that holds up. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's uh, why I, didn't, I was afraid to put it on the list.
2: I just remember being You're talking about the
0: the 2016 one Sword of destiny, right?
2: Yeah, the re remi- the yes, the sequel. The s- <laughs> yeah. Um I I when I saw this in, you know, this it came out shortly after, let's see, it came out in 2000. So it came out the year after um the Matrix and you just I just think it's an incredibly visual film and 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 just a kind of a masterpiece. Um and speaking, speaking of box of, office yeah, hits, exactly. Yeah. Two hundred thirteen million worldwide. At, you know, 20 it did years really ago, well here too. yeah. It did. Um, nominated for a bunch of Oscars, and you know, it's it's in that um, it's I think that that kind of style of Chinese filmmaking is called wuxia, where it's you know they're like on a lot of wire work, and it's kind of myth- mythological. Um, and man, yeah, what a what a good movie. I, you know, I
0: I, I bet that does. I bet it does hold up. Like I, I really do. Like it's a, I. From everything I can remember about it, it's beautifully shot. It's mm-hmm. got cool action scenes. Like all oh, th- That stuff stands the test of time. Yes, sir. Um, all right. My number two is a film that, despite what some may think, has nothing in any way, shape, or form to do with a separation. It's No Man's Land <laughs> <laughs> from 2001, directed so by Denis Tanovich, French film. This is a great movie. I've always loved this movie. If you haven't seen it, it's about um, two enemy soldiers that get trapped together in a bunker. Uh, One of them is lying down on a mine that if he rolls off it, it will explode and kill them both. The other one is tasked with uh, basically manning and protecting that bunker so he can't go anywhere. And like they basically, it's just the whole movie of their conversation. It never leaves that bunker and they kind of... You know our enemies, so they start off very, you know, um, very much hating each other, and not that they become friends or anything, but they, uh, you know, sort of begin to understand each other. And I always remember when the guy lying on the mine tells the other guy that he has to take a shit, and it's one of those things you're like, oh my god, of course that would happen. Um, And then the somewhat, you know, tragic ending to that movie—not tragic in the way that you'd think, but it is a.
2: This is a tragic ending.
0: Is it Bosnia? It's from France, I thought. I that thought was a French film.
2: It says Bosnia. I don't think so. It says Bosnia. I think
0: so. It says, it says France on IMDb.
2: Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. Oh, that's French.
0: Oh, France, Bosnia, and Herzegovia, Italy, Belgium. I had a lot of sh- shooting locations, but. Cool. I don't know how how it that's had your so number many filming locations. Oh no, it was filmed in Slovenia. Uh, yeah, that's my number two. Cool. Great film. Uh, okay, my number. My
1: number one is a movie we reviewed and sort of discovered on this very podcast that sort of blew us all away, and, and an acting job that uh, we were comparing to the likes of uh, young Robert De Niro back in the day. Oh, I knew and this would be on your list. It's uh, a Prophet from two thousand nine.
2: Mm. Still have not um, seen that.
1: Yeah, well, I think I might go home. On I might it. go
2: home tonight and watch it. Actually.
1: Uh, I remember just us. What was. Oh, that? shut your cell phones off. Oh, <laughs>
2: sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: Uh, I remember us I just going crazy over Tahar Rahim's performance. Um, it was a very. It just felt like a very 70s American new gangster wave movie, film, yeah. gangster film. Uh, it
0: was great. I mean.
2: Did you guys do a 60s those... that year?
0: Uh, I think so. We must and have. I think it. I, think I mean, it, it was probably done a little differently, but
2: I don't know that you did. It, but if you did, I wonder where did how, where that ranked for you, Jeremy? I remember so you liking. So I can go back
1: and much. look. Well, I we mean, definitely it, did t- a top ten list or something. Uh, you could, yeah. I, I I'd be curious to know too. I bet it. I bet it's up there, if not number one yeah. for me in that year.
0: Well, and the thing was because that's a two thousand nine film. And our first year, of the podcast was 2010. So, like, if you wanted right. to use the Get Your Film Fix character ca- calendar, you could yeah, grab which I it. But what remember
2: you doing? I think so, um,
0: just for that movie.
2: <laughs> cool. Okay. All right, Chapin. My number one. Um, I don't. I this qualifies, I think, because um, it's in a different language, um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's an American director, and it's uh, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, directed by Julian Schnabel.
0: Uh yeah, I would classify that as a foreign language film.
2: Yeah. Um I've seen it. I, oh, this movie is so moving to me and and something I I just remember You've
0: brought it up before, yeah.
2: I remember just I think I've seen like, it. It's
1: the guy who's paralyzed or exactly, something, Exactly. Right? Yeah, the guy yeah. from
2: Munich. Um and uh it looks like he won the um best director at Cannes. Um and and it's shot by Spielberg's cinematographer Janusz Kaminski. And it's what I always remember from the film is just how sort of beautiful and, you know, sort of expressionistic the filmmaking is. And, um, it's so sad, but inspiring at the same time without being saccharine. And, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I, I I would encourage you guys to check it out. It's, it's a profound film.
1: I think I have seen this movie. Um, but it's certainly worth a revisit.
0: Wow. Um, I haven't seen it, but I have seen it's Doppelganger, which is my number one. Um, speaking of quadriplegic, it's The Sea Inside. Wow. Starring Javier Bardem. Uh, uh, directed by Alejandro Amen, Nabar from Spain. Um, looking at movies from 2004, there's no way this is still the case, but I remember very specifically this being my favorite movie of that year when I saw it um you know what else came out eternal year? sunshine of the spotless mind collateral oh. were also among some of the great films of 2004 but i mean this is not, certainly no movie to scoff at like it's so good i actually still think it might be javier bardem's best performance that i've ever seen hmm. um basically he he uh becomes paralyzed and well, he didn't even have to use a third of his body so <laughs> easier <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> he becomes paralyzed and he sort of becomes an advocate for, um, euthanasia and wants to, wants to, you know, uh, get it legal that he can, that he can die. Um, and he fights that battle for, you know, many, many years until he gets old. And he has basically like these two love stories where one of them is an advocate for euthanasia and the other one isn't. And, very interesting dynamic and it's a really really good movie I, um, I, Again, as as much as I remember about it I'd love to catch up with it again um, but it was funny listening to you describe your thoughts on Diving Bell and the Butterfly because it's very similar it's a very moving story it's you know great I performance. I don't think either of them are moving that much
2: <laughs> Oh god oh, oh, I teed
0: that one up for you <laughs> Uh, uh, also based on a go. true story. I'd like
2: to ask you guys a question, though. Do you guys think we need to do... Do we need to, maybe on the podcast um, or maybe in our personal lives as well, uh, do we need to see more foreign films? I think we do. I think I certainly do. I was a little embarrassed so by how, how little i I was, seen. too.
0: Well, and I used to catch a lot more, which this was evidence of the fact that my list had uh, two movies from two thousand, one from 2001... One from 2002, one from 2004. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, the last 10 years, I was a bit embarrassed at how few I'd seen. And what's interesting is that two, I nominated two foreign films for a Fixie last year for Best Picture. Did you? Roma and Burning, right? Burning was in my uh, nominees. Yeah, why
2: didn't Burning make any of our lists?
0: It's a great film.
2: Forgot. well did
0: you guys have any uh
1: honorable mentions because i had a couple i i don't want to forget here go ahead the live, um, the
0: lives of others was one that i had haven't had seen that is that good down. i i don't remember it well enough to why i didn't make my list i remember really liking it though uh the two that
1: I haven't even mentioned at all were uh downfall oh right and, and the hunt which was about the guy who was accused of being a pedophile yeah is that
2: is that how's it? that
0: it's awesome. Yeah, it's I really, really want to good. see that. Uh, with Mads?
2: Yeah, Madsy Mix.
0: Speaking of Mads, yeah. we did a podcast about a movie he was in. Nobody's heard it.
2: We did. You'll we'll have to wait for that <laughs> oh, one. <yeah. laughs>
0: That's what happened when he was eventually hiding because he was a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, he hid <laughs> in the Arctic. Arctic. <laughs> yeah, Dick had to go to the Arctic. <laughs> All, All right. right. That will wrap things up for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Uh, We've got a bunch of things We'd like to suggest that you do One, go see Parasite Fantastic film, Palm Door winner Potential Fixie nominee Two, email us Your thoughts on the film or any films Or any questions that you may have Thoughts on how we're doing Thoughts on what you like about the show Uh, Rate us and leave us a review On iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts Like us on Instagram and Facebook And have a pleasant evening I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.